Good morning and happy Mother's Day, everyone. Please turn to number 611 and start our worship with Happy to Home When God is There. It's a good song, and I've made up my mind we're going to try to sing it more than just once a year. And now for our call to worship. Good morning. Happy Mother's Day. Call to worship this morning is Psalm 113. Praise ye the Lord. Praise all ye servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun unto the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations and his glory above the heavens. Who is like unto the Lord our God, who dwelleth on high, who humbleth himself to behold the things that are in heaven and in the earth. He raiseth up the poor out of the dust and lifteth the needy out of the dunghill, that he may set him with princes, even with the princes of his people. He maketh the barren woman to keep house and to be a joyful mother of children. Praise ye the Lord. Amen. 
Yes, amen. And we will continue uh, to praise him with this song of invitation, number 364, The Savior is Waiting. one of the most famous paintings ever, uh, Jesus knocking on the door, uh, waiting to be let into our hearts. Well, we've gathered here this morning to worship him, so let's pray. Father, we have gathered here together in person, face-to-face in your presence to worship you. We pray your spirit would be very much present among us Uniting our hearts with you, opening us up to you. May you do your good and perfect will in us while we are assembled here together this morning. And may it carry throughout the rest of our week, the rest of our lives. 
we also pray, knowing our frailty, that you will block out all distractions, take all the clutter out of our hearts to be open to what you want to do, to hear from you, to talk with you, to commune with you in this time of worship. We ask in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. And now, uh, if you will take your bulletin inserts, let us pray our prayer of confession together. O most great, most just, and gracious God, you are of purer eyes than to behold iniquity, but you have promised mercy through Jesus Christ to all who repent and believe in him. Therefore, we confess that we are sinful by nature and that we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We have neglected and abused your holy worship and your holy name. We have dealt unjustly and uncharitably with our neighbors. We have not sought first your kingdom and righteousness. We have not been content with our daily bread. You have revealed your wonderful love to us in Christ and offered us pardon and salvation in him. But we have turned away. We have run into temptation, and the sin that we should have hated, we have committed. Have mercy upon us, most merciful Father. We confess you alone are our hope. Make us your children, and give us the spirit of your Son, our only Savior, Amen. And thank God for that beloved apostle, John, who said that so many times in his gospel. And in his first epistle, as a much older man to scattered, persecuted Christians, he said, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the answer to the very prayer that we just prayed. And now let's continue to worship the Lord in song with number 365, No One Understands Like Jesus, and number 305, The Love of God. Darkened green, no one is. 
seated for the reading of God's word this morning. Scripture reading this morning is Isaiah 54, 1-10, Matthew 12, 46-50. Sorry. <clears throat> Sing, O barren, thou that didst not bear, break forth into singing and cry out loud, that thou that didst not travail with child, For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife, saith the Lord. Enlarge the place of thy tent, and let them stretch forth the curtains of thine habitations. Spare not, lengthen thy cords, and strengthen thy stakes. For thou shalt break forth on the right hand and on the left, and thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles, and make the desolate cities To be inhabited. Fear not, for thou shalt not be ashamed, neither be thou confounded, for thou shalt not be put to shame, for thou shalt forget the shame of thy youth, and shalt not remember the reproach of thy widowhood any more. For the Maker is thine husband, the Lord of hosts is his name, and thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, The God of the whole earth shall he be called. For the Lord hath called thee as a woman, forsaken and grieved in spirit, and a wife of youth, when thou wast refused, saith thy God. For a small moment have I forsaken thee, but with great mercies will I gather thee. In a little wrath I hid my face from thee for a moment, but with everlasting kindness Will I have mercy on thee, saith the Lord, thy Redeemer. For this is as the waters of Noah unto me. For as I have sworn that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth, so have I sworn that I would not be wroth with thee, nor rebuke thee. For the mountains shall depart, and the hills be removed. But my kindness shall not depart from thee. Neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed, saith the Lord, that hath mercy on thee. The 
This is Matthew 12, 46, 50. While he yet talked to the people, behold, his mother and his brethren stood without, desiring to speak with him. Then one said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren stand without, desiring to speak with thee. But he answered and said unto him that told him, Who is my mother, and who are my brethren? And he stretched forth his hand toward his disciples and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren. For whosoever shall do the will of my Father, which is in heaven, the same is my brother and sister and mother. Amen. And now... uh Let us take our songbooks and turn way in the back to number 626, which is the Nicene Creed, and let us recite together all that we believe and know about our God and Savior, our great, awesome, three-in-one God. We believe one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, He was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshiped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets, We believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. And that is the only hope that there is in this world and in this life. Well, now let us go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, 
we realize that even our best efforts fall short of doing your will in every area of our lives, every minute of every day. And at our worst, we grieve your Holy Spirit. I shudder when I recall times I have been insensitive to people, even in just the last few weeks. For all your mercy, compassion, and never-ending steadfast love on this Mother's Day of 2022, we are most grateful, especially for your love shown in the voluntary giving up of his lifeblood of your son who became human as we are, except for his perfect sin-free life. And on Mother's Day, we remember how before his death for us on the cross, he looked at Jerusalem and expressed his love for the people as a mother hen with her chicks. So those of us who have had good mothers, and mine was one of the best, thank you for how they showed us your love. And thank you for my mother who literally laid down her life so that my sister and I could have a better life than she had. With all that, it is crucial, it is crucial that we confess the unfruitfulness of the American church and especially how this church of which we are members, has brought forth such a small number of children into your family and into your kingdom, those fully dedicated to doing your will on earth. We ask for your forgiveness and a better future. And therefore, also, we implore you, we implore you, three-in-one God, to work in us by your strong love, both a desire and the ability to make disciples of the people we know who need you so that they may become children of your family in your family through Jesus. And in the world, we ask that you would please be with the people of Ukraine so they will know you by experience in a way they never have before and give them your victory over the evil that is attacking them. And Father, we pray for our nation, especially for those insensitive leaders who seem to only care for their own selfish rights. And we pray that you would give to your leaders in this nation who do know you, the backbone and also your courage to finally get out from under the consensus and speak up for life. We can call it a choice, but the taking of a human life is forbidden by the 10 words you gave to Moses on the mountaintop over three and a half millennia ago. And we pray for the members of our cell in your great body.
Please be with Joe, filling him with the fruit of the Holy Spirit as he makes his last great transition to the fullness of life forever in your presence face to face. Oh, and and please be with Nancy's family after her sudden and unexpected home going yesterday. Uh, After the best week she's had in over a year with her family. Um, What a shock that is, but we're reminded. We're reminded of just our total dependence on you. And Father, please bless Allie in every way. Be with Doris and Elin and others who so need your strength in their bodies right now. And please give to all of your beloved people restful, restorative sleep every night. Please continue to be with John and Pat. And it's so exciting that we always are given something by you to do at every stage in life. And Father, please give special grace to Noel and Darren and to Al and Carol. And uh, Father, I thank you that in two weeks, Debbie will be worshiping with us again on Sunday morning. She will have that opportunity. And uh, there's so much more to pray about, but you know our needs even before we express them when they're still in our hearts. So we trust you to, as always, just take care of even our unspoken needs. And now we come together with one heart and one voice Praying the words Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now before we go deep into God's word, let's sing number 408, I Surrender All.
That's a great song, and I know it's the favorite song of uh, one of my good friends in this church. Well, in the spring of 2021, just a year ago, the Pew Research Center surveyed Americans to ask them what made life meaningful to them. And at the very top of this list were relationships, relationships with family and children and friends. And then in second place was material well-being. Um, People want to be happy. We're physical beings. Um, Next was occupation. I'm presuming this means vocation calling more than just a job. And last on the highest priorities. And again, these are the highest priorities, but last was faith. It was important, but it wasn't first to Americans. Now, financial security, which was a big buzzword just a decade ago, everybody was really craving that. And the specific job that a person held had fallen way down on this list. And the conclusion that the researchers reached was that the COVID pandemic had resulted in less emphasis on, on, on money and just uh, outright work as opposed to vac- vocation or calling, that's no longer such a high source of meaning. So some good baby has come out of this pandemic. And if this is true, then in 2022, Mother's Day will be specially celebrated. And I say this Cautionary, knowing that not everybody has had good mothers. That's a reality, but we're talking about the ideal here. For those who had good mothers and they're still here, then they will be thinking less about showering them with material blessings, but instead, they'll make a point of being with their mother most of the day. It's relationships that have become so important to us now. They will enjoy their mothers, and they will express their gratitude for the care that their mothers had given them. That's how they will spend the majority of their days. And also, they will remember how their mothers modeled for them what true love is, God-like, Christ-like love. And I put it in my prayer, that was my mother to the max. I have been among those who are truly, truly blessed. Well, our passage from Isaiah this morning addresses the issue of barren women who were not able to have physical children of their own. But this is also a metaphor. You have to understand what was happening in Isaiah's day when God inspired him to write this. In this very decade, he was given this word the 10 northern tribes of Israel who had been extremely unfaithful to the Lord because of their unfaithfulness and indifference to their God and Savior, he sent Assyria to just devastate them 
and disperse the remnant throughout the entire empire of the Assyrians. You see, the nation of Israel had been originally chosen through Abraham and his grandson Israel by God to bring the knowledge of him to all the nations of the earth. You see, the gospel is in Genesis 12, 3, when he said, through the seed, the successive seed and the ultimate seed of Jesus of Abraham, all the nations on earth would be blessed. The whole mission of the church, all of evangelism happened way back with Israel, or it was supposed to happen. That's what happened when Moses was on the mount. So they had not produced children for God. But in the midst of this failure and their calling out in this portion of the chapter we heard, God promised them that in the future they would bear many children for him throughout the world. Remember, the church started as Jewish only and then added in all the nations of the earth. You see, and that's why over 700 years later, Jesus took a teachable moment to say how God would do all of this. And we are the fulfillment of Israel. We have joined with Israel, as it says in Ephesians. Well, now let's go through our two passages. We'll start with and spend much time on the Isaiah passage. We can sum up these 10 verses. Barren women will have children because they are married to the holy redeemer of Israel. And although the mountains will be removed, Yahweh's strong love will not. It's in three parts. The first part is short and simple. Barren women will have many children. We'll develop that as we go along. Now, this is all poetry, and I'm going to try to read to you as best I can the literal half lines that the Jews would have heard, but I'll do it in English. Give a ringing, singing cry, barren one who did not bear. Break forth into ringing, singing, and cry aloud, though thou who have not travailed. For more are the sons of the desolate one. Remember, the nation had been desolated. Than the sons of her being married, says Yahweh. So there's two things happening here. First, there's barrenness and desolation. Yahweh is addressing this remnant of the 10 tribes of Israel after Assyria had destroyed them. It's all in 2 Kings 17. They are barren and desolate. There's no children left to them. But amidst this, Yahweh says, there will, there will, it's coming. There will be a joy of many, many sons. He commands them, even where they are now in this desolation, to break forth into songs of joy because he can and will give his barren people a multitude of children. We are among that multitude. God can give Barren women, children. 
Next, enlarge the place of thy tent. The curtains of thine dwelling place will be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen thy cords and thy stakes. Strengthen. For to the right and left, thou wilt break forth. And thy seed will possess the nations. And the cities being made desolate will be made inhabited. Now, this is something I discovered over 20 years ago. The command, promise, principle of God. You see, these three full poetic lines here that we just heard are another example of this theme. It goes throughout the word of God, Genesis to Revelation. God says, on the condition that his people obey his commands through faith in him, he will fulfill his promises. So what's happening here is barren Israel symbolized by this woman, is commanded four things. She's to enlarge her tent, not to hold back one little bit, lengthen her cords and strengthen her stakes. Now, what will happen? What's the promise if barren Israel does this, the barren woman? Yahweh himself will stretch out her dwelling place so she'll break forth in both directions, in all directions, and her children will possess the nations and her desolate cities will be full of people living in them. In other words, she will have many children living in her homeland and these will be possessing the children of all the nations on earth, all as God's people. Yes, God can make a barren woman to give birth to children. He can give them to her. Okay, the second part, the longest part, the barren woman, it turns out, after all, is married to the Holy Redeemer. God is her husband, the Holy Redeemer of Israel. And with great love, you will have compassion on her. Now, I've chosen to translate the word racham as compassion. It literally means the womb. And it's the natural love, the love that God desires mothers to have for their babies, for their children. Let's go through the poetic lines again. Thou will not fear for thou will not be ashamed. And thou will not be humiliated because thou will not be put to shame. For the shamefulness of thy youth thou wilt forget, and the reproach of thy widowhood widowhood, thou wilt remember no more. So she is all alone. But what he starts right off, it's all throughout Scripture. Fear not. If she humbly and reverentially fears God for his awesome holiness, nothing in her life can make her afraid. And that's a general principle for God's people. In fact, God goes to say he will bless her with four blessings. She will not be ashamed. She will not be confounded. She will not be put to shame. And she will indeed forget her past shamefulness and reproach given to her as a widow. 
Continuing on with the text and the poem. For the one being thy husband and master, Yahweh of hosts, Yahweh Sabaoth, his name, and your redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, and the God of the whole earth, he will be called. So the covenant God, Yahweh, is barren Israel's husband. He still is, no matter what's happened to her. And he is therefore also her close relative who may purchase her redemption. The word is kinsman redeemer. And I think many of you are familiar with that. And then he is known by name, the God of all the earth, all the peoples of the earth. Coming back to the prophetic poem, for as a wife forsaken and grieved in spirit, Yahweh has called thee. And like a wife of youth, when she is rejected, says thy God, in a small moment I have forsaken thee, And with great compassion, I will gather thee. Now, I couldn't help but think about the book of Isaiah with these particular lines. Remember, Yahweh commanded the prophet Hosea to marry an adulterous woman, a prostitute so that the prophet would model before God's people how they had been unfaithful to their very good husband. And as the grieved Hosea bought his wife out of prostitution, so Yahweh would purchase his barren bride. And then after a brief time of deserved, of deserved separation, he would do so for them. He would buy them out of prostitution because of his compassion. And then to finish up the middle part of this passage, in overflowing wrath, I have hidden my face from thee for a moment. And in love everlasting, I have had compassion on thee, says the one redeeming thee, Yahweh. So what's happening here? Again, Yahweh says his compassion on his unfaithful, barren wife. But here he strengthens this repetition of his compassion by declaring that it's based on his eternal, strong, and steadfast love for them. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. It's from lamentations. And then finally, the third part of our Isaiah passage, he says, as with Noah, after the floodwaters, even though the mountains will be removed, and that's in many, many prophecies, Yahweh's love will never be ultimately removed from his people. Okay, looking at it again, line by line. Like the waters of Noah, this is to me 
when I had sworn that should go over the earth, the waters of Noah no more. So I had sworn not to be angry with thee and not to rebuke me. Okay, discipline and restoration. They deserved all the punishment and discipline that Yahweh could throw on them. But after he disciplines his people, he has sworn to restore his people to him again. What an awesome God. I mean, we can't imagine love like this. Mother love comes close, but it's not equal to Yahweh. And then concluding the last few lines, for the mountains will depart and the hills will shake. And my love from thee will not depart. And the covenant of my peace will not be shaken, says the one having compassion for thee. And he signs his name, Yahweh. So Yahweh's second statement of his strong, steadfast love. First time he expressed it as eternal, and now it's expressed as that which will never depart. The two sides of the same coin. Whether you put it positively or negatively, both were intended and are intended to create security in his people. And people... Some think that's a bad thing, but I think it's a really good thing. When we know that we belong to God and that he has saved us, and even though he disciplines us, he will not abandon us. He will help us to persevere in his faith. That is security, and we all need security. It's not financial security, as people are discovering. It's God's security in Christ. And then peace. The peace he's talking about is the basic, fundamental covenant relationship peace. Remember, it's all about, from the very beginning, I will be your God and you will be my people, a relationship initiated and sustained by God, and then fruitfulness will be restored. When people are reconciled in their relationship with God, God and his barren wife Israel, when she's restored, she will now receive his promise of becoming the mother of many children worldwide. God can give barren women, children. We're talking about spiritual children, and Jesus makes this very clear in the portion of Matthew that we heard. We can summarize it this way. While Jesus was teaching a crowd, his mother and brothers had been waiting, desiring to talk to him, but he says his disciples who do his father's will, they are his family. So let's look at this. There's two parts. There's the setup in Jesus' answer, his amazing answer. As Jesus was talking to a crowd of people, his mother and brothers had been waiting outside desiring to speak to him. So let's just look at these verses. It says, still he is speaking to the crowd. Behold, the mother and his brothers had been standing outside desiring to speak to him. So again, sometimes they called Jesus teacher. 
he was verbally teaching a large crowd of ordinary Jewish people, not special people. And his family was not able to get close to him because of the large, tightly packed crowd of disciples hanging on his every word. Then we're told, but a certain man said to him, behold, behold, thy mother and thy brothers have stood outside desiring to speak to you. So this intense interjection, behold, is used twice in the space of two verses. First, by the narrator of the account, humanly speaking, Matthew, but under the direction and inspiration and influence of the Holy Spirit. And then a random man who had somehow picked his way from the crowd all the way from the outside to where Jesus was and was talking to Jesus. But you see, at this point, Jesus is intent on his mission, his mission both to proclaim the kingdom of God and also to heal people. But his family is being kept on the outside. And don't forget, all God's people, the 10 words of God, the 10 commandments, they are to honor their father and their mother. But here's the thing that came to me. Jesus is perfect. And what is happening here is the sinless Jesus is perfectly balancing family responsibility with carrying out his mission. And I think, I, you know, I get hung up on this. I think a lot of people do. How do we balance family and calling, family and vocation, family and doing God's will? Jesus did it perfectly. Now, in the second half, Jesus responds to the news of this with rhetorical questions. Then having stretched his hand to his disciples, he said, Behold, my mother and brothers, because whoever may do my father's will, my family is being, being. So again, verse by verse, having answered, he said to the one telling him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Now, you've probably noticed this if you read the Gospels at all, okay? As he often did, Jesus begins his answer with rhetorical questions that are designed to focus the attention of the one asking him the question. Because sometimes we don't even know what we're asking. And Jesus redirects us through these questions. And having stretched forth his hand toward his disciples, he said, behold, my mother and my brothers. So Jesus is pointing out those who are following him to learn from him what God requires so they can do what God requires. And here we have one of those paradoxes that run through scripture because to us, God is a paradox. Jesus has his blood family, those the man had asked him about. But he is now calling his disciples who came from every walk of life He is calling them his family, those who are desiring to share in his mission with him. 
And then the bottom line, the last word, our final verse this morning, for whoever may do the will of my Father in heaven, the same, my brother, sister, and mother is being. People, it's all about God's will. That's in the prayer Jesus taught us to pray. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Whoever can do God's will is in Jesus' family and will be given grace to do the humanly impossible balancing of the responsibilities of family and mission. The only way people can do what God desires is becoming disciples of Jesus by his grace and through his faithfulness. It's all about Jesus. It begins and ends with him. All that we are, all that we can be, all that we do is through his faithfulness. But before people can do this, we must be made aware of and repent of any unfaithfulness to God concerning things we may have put above him, even if just for a short time. Oh, I took an hour to do my own thing. Uh Uh-uh. And this would also apparently include all those Americans who were surveyed that I mentioned in the beginning who put faith at the bottom of their list of the highest priorities for finding meaning in life. You see, it's a both-and people. All who do what we have just heard Jesus say will both know what God's will is, but that's only half of it. We need to also be empowered by the Holy Spirit to do it. And the bottom line of what Jesus is teaching in this passage is members of God's family do his will. So these will be my last words on God's word that we've considered. And this is a challenge for each and every one of us. I know it's a challenge for me, but may we all greatly desire to know and do the will of Father God in order to be in his family as spiritual siblings, brothers and sisters of Jesus and also spiritual mothers on this Mother's Day. So that's what God wants. That's how a barren woman can become the mother of many, many children. I think we've all also known some spiritual women. My mother's best friend when I was growing up, and this just came to me, Mrs. Rennie, she was the greatest Sunday school teacher that anybody could ever have. And in our confirmation class at age 14, she just testified to what God has done in her life. And maybe in the coffee hour, I'll share with you one of those great miracles that she blew our minds with, even the most cynical teenage boys. But to wrap this all up, God's people had become barren because of their unfaithfulness to him. And he declared through his prophet that his wrath and rejection would be replaced by a future of great 
fruitfulness. Many, many children will come about because of his compassion flowing from his strong love. And then later, 700 years later, Jesus took advantage of a teachable moment to tell a bystander that anyone who does his father's will is in his family and that women may become spiritual mothers. God can give a barren woman children. And that's our mission, to bring children into God's family because it's his mission. Amen. And now for our last song, let's sing number 451, Like a River Glorious. 451.
And uh, now our final word, our good word at the end will be from the Lord himself. I've already alluded to it, but let's hear it from scripture. This is Jesus' words. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you were unwilling. Behold, your house is being left to you desolate. For I say to you, from now on, you shall not see me until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That's what we can say by grace through the faith of Jesus Christ. Blessed is he coming in the name of the Lord. And let's close our time of formal worship this morning, singing number 11 with all our hearts to Jesus. Thou art worthy. Mm -hmm.